Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to episode of Living Light Outdoors. On the mic with you, it's Wednesday. This is our Wednesday study. We have been studying out of Phil Taylor's The Person and Work of the Holy Spirit. That's a Pentecostal perspective of the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Holy Spirit. It's It's been good. I hope it's been good for you. I'm gaining all kinds of insight, uh, opening my eyes to things. Again, there is, there's so much scriptural uh, reference. I'm going to ask you just to take notes. Jot these down. Go look them up. I'm, I'm going to open some of them up, but I'm not going to open them all because we'd be here all night. Um, and I'm tired. <laughs> I've been on the road for the last three days working and uh, just got in, just unloaded my suitcase and thought, I better sit down in here first, because if I sit down in that recliner, I'm probably going to be done for the day. Uh, been a long three days in the heat, in the sun, and you can see kind of the reflection of all that going on on me now. But we're going to jump into this, the person and work of the Holy Spirit, week seven. And, and we're, this is starting a new chapter, and it's Charismatic Gifts, part one. So Charismatic Gifts, part one. Having covered spiritual gifts in a broad fashion in the previous chapter, let us turn our attention to what are more commonly considered charismatic or Pentecostal gifts, i.e. the nine gifts of the manifestations found in 1 Corinthians 12 and in 14, 1 Corinthians 14. Paul wanted the church at Corinth to be informed concerning spiritual things. That The word gift is not in the original language. In 1 Corinthians 12, 1, he did not want them to be easily led astray as they had been in the past, believing every word and every spirit. In, in addition, uh, Paul did not want them to lose their supernatural balance in their zeal for spiritual things. Paul wanted the church to be continually led by the Holy Spirit, knowing that any witness from the Holy Spirit would always honor Jesus as Lord and testify to him. In 1 Corinthians 12, Verse 4 through 11, Paul begins spelling out some understanding of the work of the Holy Spirit in the New Testament church uh, through these nine gifts or manifestations of the Holy Spirit. We're going to take a look at this. This is 1 Corinthians chapter 12. This is verse 4 through 11. So starting with verse 4, now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of ministries and the same Lord. And there are varieties of effects, but the same God who works all things in all persons. But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, and to another the word of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, and to another gifts of healing by the same Spirit. And verse 10 says, Into another the effecting of miracles, and to another prophecy, and to another the distinguishing of spirits, and to another various kinds of tongues, and to another the interpretation of tongues, but one in the same Spirit works all things, distributing to each one individually just as he wills. The Holy Spirit wills. Verse 4 through 6 express the themes of variety of the gifts, a corresponding unity and purpose. This is uh, consistent with the nature of God as expressed in the doctrine of the Trinity. Three persons, Father, Son, the Holy Spirit, referred to in verses 4 through 6 as Spirit, Lord, and God, differing in personally personality yet in, united in voice and in purpose. In verse 4, Paul's Greek word spiritual, for spiritual gift is charisma. The implication in using this word is that these gifts are expressions of God's grace towards us. 
It's as in everything we receive from the Lord, it flows out of his amazing grace. Well, there are a variety of expressions of his grace, each flow from his Holy Spirit of grace. I, I like how he describes this as being uh, these gifts being an expression of God. It's, it's part of him. Those gifts are given to us. Uh, we can't earn them. We can't buy them. We can't do anything for them. They're gifts given to us to operate in certain ways to express God's grace at any given time. In verse 5, Paul speaks of varieties of ministries. He uses the Greek word diakonia, which refers to service or ministry. The very nature of the gift suggests there are tools which, which, uh, with which to serve others and fulfill our calling to ministry. There are varieties of ministries and ways of serving, but the same Lord who is the servant of all calls and equips us to go in his name and nature and serve. It's what he did. He served. Jesus was a servant. In verse 6, Paul speaks of varieties of manifestations or operations. It implies differing effects or results from the use of the gifts. But the same Father is at work to produce and establish his desired results and to carry out his sovereign purposes. We've got to keep that in mind. In verse 7, Paul makes it clear that these are the gifts of our manifestations of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit controls who is used in the operation of these nine gifts, as well as when and where they are used. We desire to be agents used of the Lord as needed. It is not appropriate to say, I have the gift of healing, I have the gift of discernment, I have this or I have that. The gifts belong to the Holy Spirit. He distributes them according to the need at any given time. You can function in any of these gifts. I don't want to be just tied to one. I want to be available to be used in whatever God wants me to, to use me in at any given time or any given place. There are three main categories of gifts described in this passage. There's gifts of revelation, which are word of wisdom, word of knowledge, and discernment of spirits. These can also be categorized as the gifts to know, gifts of power, faith gifts of healing, um, the working of miracles. These can also be categorized as gifts to act on and gifts of inspiration, prophecy, tongues, and interpretation of tongues. These can also be categorized as gifts to speak. For an alternative method of classification and an excellent analysis on these, uh, David Lim has written a book uh, called A Fresh Look. Uh, See Spiritual Gifts, A Fresh Look by David Lim. You can find that in in your bookstore. While there are many different interpretations and descriptions of these nine spiritual gifts, I believe the following descriptions would tend to fall within the mainstream of Pentecostal or charismatic practice and teaching. Let's take a look at these nine spiritual gifts that's mentioned in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Word of Wisdom. This gift may be variously expressed as the supernatural revelation of divine purpose a declaration of the mind and will of God, the supernatural unfolding of his plans and purposes, a word about God's plans, an interpretation of dreams, or the insight needed to manage the affairs of the church, as in Acts 6, when deacons were appointed to serve the church. The word of wisdom may often be seen in counseling and in matters of guidance. I've seen the gift of of a word of wisdom in church board meetings as we have sought the Lord's direction. I've occasionally expressed a word of wisdom in pastoral counseling as though the missing piece to the puzzle suddenly falls into place. Words of wisdom are are awesome. Uh, I've, I've operated in that. I've seen that. I've received that. 
Uh, it's just a, an incredible gift of words of wisdom. Word of knowledge. The gift entails a supernatural revelation of facts in the divine mind, enabling the believer to know things he or she couldn't have known before. Jesus' conversation with the woman at the well in John 4 is an example of a word of knowledge. Jesus had never met this woman before, and yet he knew of her past. He knew of her past marriages, her present living condition. And then another one in Acts 10, 19, Peter knew by spiritual revelation that three men were looking for him. The word of knowledge may also be a flash of insight into a particular truth in God's word that enables us to then effectively communicate it with others. It can also be an insight into the needs of an individual or a body of believers. Again, enabling the minister to more, to, to more effectively reach his people. I, again, this is something that, that um, personally I have, I have operated in and I've been the recipient of. Words of knowledge. It's, uh, it's, it's again. It's, it's, it's just things that come that you wouldn't have known any other way. But it plays a part, not not for our good, but for God's glory. To 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 minister to someone, to put us in a position to minister to someone. Discerning of spirits. The literal translation is plural. Discerning of spirits. This is a supernatural operation of the wisdom of the Holy Spirit to discern good from evil. The New Testament examples include the story of Ananias and Sapphira in Acts 6. Peter discerned by the Holy Spirit that this husband and wife were lying to God and that Satan had filled their hearts with deception. There wasn't any reason. If you go back and look at that story in Acts 6 of Ananias and Sapphira, there wasn't any reason for them to lie, but they did. Uh, Paul in Acts 13 discerned a wrong spirit in Elymas, the magician, we live in a culture and time in history when the gift of discernment of spiritual of spiritual spirits is essential. Not simply discernment of spirits on a personal level, but it truly discerning good from evil when the political and social context of our society, issues like abortion, euthanasia, cry for the gift of discernment. Understanding that, that God speaks to us in a discerning fashion so that we'll understand or know something about an, an issue going on around us, uh, whatever it may be. Again, it's, it's, not, it's not to enhance us. It's for God's glory. Faith. This gift is a supernatural assurance, a defined confidence in knowing that God is working to work out things for our good in spite of the circumstances. This gift of faith goes beyond having faith in God. It is having the faith of God. It can be described as having a miraculous kind of faith for a particular situation. An example of this gift is faith is found in Acts 27, verse 25. Paul had no doubt prayed for safety while on board the ship, and an angel had spoke a, a word of courage to him. He believed God had spoke the, to, the, and to the men and the crew with bold faith. Or Robert spoke of this kind of faith when he said, You know that you know that you know that you know. It has supernatural confidence in God and his word at a point or need of circumstance. Uh, that story of Paul on the on the boat in, in Acts 27 is a really good one to read. The angel of the Lord spoke to Paul and said, Man, you know, this boat's gonna it's gonna make it. Everyone on board will make it, but they've got to stay on board. They've got to trust. They've got to stay. Anyone who leaves here will perish. Some did. Go back and read the story. Uh, miracles. This gift is a supernatural intervention in the ordinary course of nature. 
It is a suspicion or superseding of natural law, a suspension, I'm sorry, not superstition, a suspension or superseding of natural law as we know and perceive it in favor of God's children and purposes. These are works of power for supernatural protection and provision for God's children, often resulting in the conversion of unbelievers who witness the miracles. There's several verses here, Acts chapter 5, uh, verse 12 through 15, Acts 8, 39, and Acts 19, 11 through 12 are all examples of miraculous interventions in the lives of believers. I've witnessed the miraculous. I've been the recipient of the miraculous. I've, uh, the, the, the working of miracles is, is real. It's still relevant today. It hasn't gone away. It's still a gift that can be exercised at any given moment through any believer who, who follows the Lord. And all of these other things come into play with that. Healing, gift of healings. This is a supernatural power to heal disease. This gift is also plural. Gifts of healings. Scripture implies that the one being healed is the one receiving the gift of healing rather than the one who who, uh, prays the prayer of healing. While divine healing is a controversial subject, the New Testament includes considerable evidence of people being miraculously healed. Mark 16, 18 lists healing as one of the signs that would follow the believer, and they will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. God spoke that to me years ago in the revival services. Claire Isabel, I thought, yeah, I know, it's scriptural. I didn't realize what was being spoken at that time. While I do not profess an understanding of healing, I'm convinced miraculous healings do occur by the working of the Holy Spirit. I've witnessed it. I've seen it. Healing and other supernatural manifestations have accompanied the Pentecostal charismatic revivals of the century. Uh, Hebrews chapter 2, verse 3 through 4 declares, how should we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? After it was at first spoken through the Lord, it is confirmed to us by those who heard. God also bearing witness with them, both by signs and wonders and by various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit, according to his own will. The gift of healing is one of the confirming signs of the Holy Spirit. The gift of prophecy. Stated simply, prophecy is a supernatural utterance in a known tone. Revelation 19.10 teaches us that the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. A prophetic utterance will always in some way testify of God's purpose and declare his plan as revealed through his Son. Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 14.3, But one who prophesies speaks to men for edification, exhortation, and consolation. Because of its potential for abuse, for example, the oft heard the Lord told me to tell you prophecy is to be judged by the hearers. Does the prophetic word edify? Does it exhort? Does it comfort? And does it testify of Jesus in his servant nature? If not, it's to be rejected. Again, this is, this is as, as you are um, maturing spiritually, and seeking these gifts, seeking the, 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 not necessarily seeking the gifts, but seeking the presence of God, the Holy Spirit alive and well in you, as you're used in these gifts or as someone speaks these gifts to you, that discernment's going to come into play. You'll know quickly. Um, let's move on. This is a dandy. Tongues. This is a very controversial for most of us, right? Tongues. This gift is a supernatural utterance and a tongue unknown to the speaker. It may or may not be known tongue or language. Depending upon the occasion, it is either a sign 
for the unbeliever, 1 Corinthians 14, 22, a personal edification for the one speaking and is not to be heard by everyone in a public gathering, 1 Corinthians 14, 28, or it is a tongue that is to be interpreted for the edification of all present. That's 1 Corinthians 14, 5. Uh, mentioned earlier that, that Sunday there was a message in tongues given and uh, and God really spoke to me some things about that that I wound up bringing out in a podcast. Uh, I, I'm still chewing on whether I should have spoke loudly, you know, to, to be an interpretation of that tongue that morning. Um, I'm still, I'm, I'm, I'm very careful with that. So and sometimes maybe more cautious than I should be uh, because I, I miss things from time to time. The interpretation of tongues. This is the supernatural speaking forth of the meaning of other tongues. Such an interpretation may not be a word-for-word translation. Hence, the number of words or length of speaking may be entirely different. It is, instead, an interpretation of the meaning of the tongues spoken. I guess it's very important that we understand that. Uh, A message in tongues could rattle on for a few minutes where the interpretation may be just a handful of words. Um... However, that comes about. There has been a time when a message in tongues was given in a service. I really felt like I had the interpretation, but I was scared to death. I was nervous. I didn't want it to come from me. I wanted it to be the Lord. And as another person began to interpret that message, I could have I could have written down word for word everything that was spoken because it was in my spirit. God had put, and, and I got upset about that. I got upset that I'd missed an opportunity to be used by God, but he's used these as teaching elements for me. Uh, and, and I'm getting stronger. I'm understanding more and more. There are times when a message is given in tongues that, that doesn't necessarily have a whole lot of bearing. Sometimes it's just someone getting under the influence of the Holy Spirit, the power of God's moving strongly, the presence of God is strong, and, and, and someone just blurts out in a message in tongues, maybe there's not an interpretation. Maybe that shouldn't necessarily have happened. And, and you'll learn through all of this that that is controllable. It's up to us to control it. We're, we're to seek the Lord. We're to be in the God's, I mean, we're to be in his presence. So when he does want to use us, he uses us correctly And then there's other people prepared for that as well. The purpose of the gifts. With regard to the nine gifts of 1 Corinthians 12, there are at least seven purposes for these gifts and manifestations of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to take forever. I've got too many notes. The gifts of the Spirit confirm the Word of God. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 3 through 4 speaks of the confirmation of God's Word, both by signs and wonders and by various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit according to His own will. Mark 16, 17-20, and Acts 1, 8 also indicate the manifestation of the Spirit will confirm to or bear witness to the Word of God. Very important. Secondly, the gifts of the Spirit convince men of the truth of the gospel. The evangelistic thrust of the church is strongly linked to the working of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said in Acts 1, 8, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you should be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest parts of of the earth. The incident involving Paul and Elymas, um, recorded in Acts 13, 6 through 12, involved the gift of miracles as Elymas was supernaturally blinded for a period of time. Uh, the miracle confirming the teaching of Paul led to the conversion of the proconsul. Paul declares in 1 Corinthians 14, 22, that the gifts of tongues is a sign to the unbeliever. The, the miracle of healing that restored the lame, uh, the lame man in Acts 3, verse 1 through 10, led to the conversion of at least 2,000 men. 
Each of these manifestations of the Holy Spirit were signs that convinced men and women of the truth of the gospel. There is no reason to believe that signs have ever ceased. The power of the Holy Spirit is still the same, and the women and men and uh, and women and men uh, are still are still lost and need in need of a savior. Why why would the gifts stop when we still have lost? Thirdly, the gifts of the Spirit operate to bring healing and help to the sick and the hurting. The Bible tells us in Acts 10, 38, that Jesus was anointed of the Holy Spirit and went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. Jesus said in John 14, 12, He who believes in me, the, the works that I do, shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go to the Father. Jesus going to his Father meant sending the Holy Spirit to the church so the church would continue to do the works of the Father throughout the world. We're the church anointed and gifted by the Holy Spirit to bring healing and help to the hurting and hopeless of this world. Healing to the body, mind, and spirit. Fourth, the gifts of the Holy Spirit revealed God's will to his people. Acts 10 is the record of Peter's meeting with Cornelius and his preaching the gospel to the Gentiles in Caesarea. Having seen a vision, Peter was trying to understand its meaning when the Holy Spirit spoke to him with a word of knowledge. Three men are looking for you. And a word of wisdom, arise, go downstairs, and accompany them without misgivings. So by the direction of the Holy Spirit, through these gifts, Peter came to know, as did the rest of the church, that God is not one to show partiality. But in every nation, the man who fears him and does what is right is welcome to him. Acts chapter 10, 34-35, Paul states in Acts 20, 23, the Holy Spirit is repeatedly spoken to him, warning him of bonds and afflictions that await him. In Acts 21, 10-11, a prophet named Agabus spoke to Paul, warning him by the word of the Holy Spirit of affliction ahead. The Holy Spirit is still giving directions to his church, leading and guiding by the gifts of the Spirit and by his infallible word. Fifthly, the gifts of the Holy Spirit bring comfort, edification, and exhortation to the body of Christ. While 1 Corinthians 14, 3-5 refers specifically to prophecy in tongues, I believe it is consistent with the nature of God and in His Holy Spirit that all the gifts will in some form or fashion bring comfort to the hurting and distressed, edification to the individual as well as the church, and exhort saints and sinner uh, like to be obedient to the call of Christ. Sixth. The gifts of the Holy Spirit are given for the common good. 1 Corinthians 12, 7 states, But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Peter speaks of our using the gifts to serve one another as members of the body of Christ. As each one has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. 1 Peter 4:10. The gifts of the Spirit will be manifested in a fashion consistent with the other-centered nature of Jesus Christ, serving one another in love. Again, it's it's not about us. It's about others. And seventh, the gifts of the Spirit frustrate the plans and purposes of the enemy. The Bible says Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. The gifts of the Spirit assist the believer in advancing the cause of Christ and frustrating the schemes of the devil. 1 Corinthians 14.2 declares, For one who speaks in tongues does not speak to men, but to God. For no one understands, but in his spirit he speaks mysteries. Because Satan is not all-knowing, and the tongue mentioned is in, in this verse is directed to God alone, many people believe the devil is unable to know or understand the mysteries spoken in tongues, thus further frustrating the enemy's plans. You heard me reference code talkers 
where the U.S. military used our Native Americans to uh, send messages because the enemy had absolutely no idea what kind of language that was and had no idea how to decrypt it. Uh, the Navajos were used there. To, uh, there was multiple, um, uh, but I, the Navajo language is something I'm familiar with, and it's 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 extravagant. I will say that to figure that out to bring code to that, uh, man, the the word the the Navajo word for throne, it's a, it's a series of words just to say the word throne, like like the throne, actually in the Navajo says the chair in which governing is done. So it's quite complicated. The Holy Spirit is the same way. Satan can't decode what's being spoken in the tongues. Uh, I would encourage you to seek the the infilling, full blast, baptism with evidence of speaking in tongues with the Holy Spirit in everything that you do. Just keep asking God for more. Just keep seeking Him for more because there's always more. While some teach that the gifts of the Spirit were only for establishment of the New Testament church, I believe the gifts of the Spirit are much for are much for um, every. <laughs> oh, my, my my spelling here is wrong. Uh, for for very much for today, First Corinthians thirteen eight through ten states: Love never fails, but if there are gifts of prophecy, they will be done away with. If there are tongues, uh, tongues they will cease. If there is knowledge, it will be done away. For, for we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will be done away. These verses are often quoted as evidence the gifts of the Spirit have ceased. Prophecy and tongues have ceased. However, it is obvious that knowledge has not been done away with. Apparently, these teachers believe that when the perfect comes refers to the completed canonical Bible, uh, that when it was finished, the partial was done away. I see no support for this interpretation. Why would the completion of Scripture render the need for the Holy Spirit's manifestation of healing, guidance, discernment, and miracles, etc., unnecessary? We need the power of the Holy Spirit and His gifts more today than we ever have in history. I believe when Paul refers to the perfect, he is referring to the time when we reach the end of this age and, and God ushers in His perfect kingdom. Now we only know in part and even prophesy in part but when the establishes his kingdom on earth, the partial then will be done away with. Until that day, we certainly need the gifts of the Spirit operating in our lives and in the life of our churches. Recall the purpose of the gifts we treated uh, earlier. What possible reason would God have to lift those gifts from the church? He still desires to confirm his word, convince me of the gospel, heal and help the distressed, reveal his will to his church, edify, exhort, and comfort his church, and enable us to better serve one another and frustrate the works of the enemy. Why would he do away with that? Finally, those who argue the gift of the Holy Spirit are no longer operating in the church today must argue against the experience of millions of believers worldwide who have encountered the miraculous power and manifestation of the Holy Spirit. I am one of them. Uh, the gifts of the Spirit were given to the church and will continue to operate as long as the church is present on this planet and hungry hearts are open to the moving of His Holy Spirit. One of the questions often asked is exactly who can have the gifts of the Spirit? Many people view those gifts as belonging to super-Christians. Uh, they were only the, uh, only for the very mature. First, remember that no gift belongs to a person. The gifts are given to the church and are not a sign or criteria of spiritual maturity. In fact, the reason for Paul's writing to the uh, rather carnal and immature church of Corinth was to address their misuse of the gifts of the Spirit. He was writing to correct them. You have to look at the context. You look at the author, look at the audience, and look at the why. Why is it being written? 
There should have been more mature than they were. Don't let anyone tell you the gifts of the Spirit are for only the select few or God's anointed ones. The gifts of the Spirit for the church of Jesus Christ of which every born-again believer is a part. Keep in mind, secondly, that the gifts belong to the Holy Spirit. He distributes them as He wills, 1 Corinthians 12, 11. Consequently, any born-again believer can be used to express a gift of the Spirit at any time. Make yourself available to the Lord, since the gifts are given to meet the needs of the people, both in, in and outside of the church. Be where He needs the needs are, and surrender yourself to the Lord. Find yourself in a place where there's needy. Look around you. When, when you see need, ask God to use you to speak into that need. If you're willing to be used of God in any fashion He chooses and will open yourself up to His ways, He will use you. You know, I had a little rant the other day. I'm going to close up here. I had a little rant the other day because I'd watched a TV preacher, very prominent, very very prominent man of God, um, but he spoke some things completely unbiblical. Uh, and he actually did reference that those gifts were, were um, for the apostles. Uh, boy, there is nothing scripturally to back that up. And everything he used could be refuted. Uh, listen, get in God's word and seek him. Again, don't seek the gifts. The gifts are available. They're God's. He's not going to give you the gift of healing. He's not going to give you the gift of tongues. He's not going to give you the gift of interpretation. But he may use you in any of those. It's kind of like my, my reference to the fivefold ministry. Fivefold ministry says there's apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, and evangelists. Those are those are the fivefold ministry. That's 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 the basic principle of all ministry. The fivefold apostles, people who go out and set up ministry, who who who, who uh, put things together. Uh, and apostle. That's what Paul and he went out and he began. He started churches. He planted churches all over the place. You have the prophecy. The prophetic is someone who will speak the heart of God. Not not tell me how my future is going to be. Speak the heart of God. You have pastors. Those are the, the, the shepherds of the flock. You have teachers. We need teachers. We need people who can teach. And the evangelist, the role that I currently serve, I travel and speak wherever I can. I speak it on here. I speak it in a church pulpit. I, it don't matter where I'm at. That, that evangelistic is for all of us. I, I don't want a label of one. I want God to use me whenever he needs to in any form or fashion. And I have been used in every form of the fivefold, every form. So I don't, want a, I don't want a shingle hung up that says, oh, no, he can't be used in this way because he's already got this gift. He's just an evangelist. Now, I want to be able to be used however. Same with these gifts here. I don't want one. I want God to use me however he sees at any given moment for any of the gifts that God offers that, that, that he needs to see his grace applied to whatever situation is in front of me. Amen. Whew. What a mouthful. Thank you for putting up with me for this length of time. Uh, I know that's a lot. Go back and listen to these again. Don't don't just do one and done. Go back and listen to these. Take notes. Get up and look at those scriptures. Dig into God's word and allow him to speak into your heart tonight. Amen. God bless you, Ron, and I love you. Thank you so much for your support. Thank you for your prayers. We're, we're, we covet your prayers, that's for certain. May God bless you guys. I believe that in the same measure in which you give, he'll give back to you. Pressed down, shaking together, and running over. It'll be poured right into your lap. It'll be poured right into your lap by, by the world, by men today. Make yourself available. Let God use you. Amen. God bless you. We'll talk to you again real soon.